Bobamex Network Production. Bobamex fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Bobamex app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at BTOsports.com and click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mackles Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Appreciate it. Of course, I'm Steve Mathis with you, as always. Thanks to BTOsports.com for uh, coming on board this podcast. Use the code PULPMX when you're checking out to save money. Anything you need for your bike or body, BTOsports.com has it. they got OEM parts as well. And uh, BTO Sports KTM team of Millsap, Short, and Brayton coming to a stadium near you. And, of course, Fox Racing, the global innovation leader in motocross racewear, Foxhead.com. 2016 Flex Gear out now, and uh, go to your local dealer, see what they got for Fox, and if they uh, don't have Fox, you should probably get a new local dealer, and uh, that noise you hear is the wind or something going on all the way in New Zealand, because on the line with me, former world champion, 500cc world champion, and a good friend of mine, see him at a lot of races, Shane King. What's up, Kinger? How are you? Hey, how's it, man? Yeah, she's um, a bit windy here where I'm at in New Zealand at the moment. Oh. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm living the dream down here in the southern, southern, uh, southern <laughs> hemisphere. It'd be cool to be called world champion. I wish I had people would said world champion Steve Mathis. That'd be awesome. You always have it. It's always there. That's what you, that's what you are. You're a world champion. Yeah, mate. It's good. <laughs> it's actually cool. You kind of forget about it uh, to be world champion. Mm-hmm. And again, you kind of, I don't know, you take it for granted, I guess. You, you win, a, win a race, it's because it's coming out 20 years next year so yeah um yeah just strange it seems strange one minute you <laughs> you you remember the next minute you've forgotten about it and you're i don't know trying to figure something else out if you get bad service at a restaurant you're like listen i'm a world champion <laughs> <laughs> people are like yeah whatever yeah i use that one so much yeah 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 exactly right no it's just it's really cool it's a it's a great achievement um for you and uh and your country of course new zealand and uh um it's just a real cool thing so let's get let's get into it a little bit but um what are you doing nowadays? What is Shane King doing? Of course, I know what you're doing nowadays, but tell everybody else what you're doing. Well, I started um, in 98 um, when I was racing overseas. I got a call from Jeff Searle, actually from No Fear. And in America, I was, I was sponsored by them as a casual sponsor. Mm-hmm. I was racing in Europe, and he said, hey, we're making motocross gear, and uh, we want you to be a distributor in New Zealand. And I said, man, you're crazy. I'm trying to race a world championship over here, and how am I going to sell, sell gear in New Zealand? He said, I'll just ship you a whole lot of stuff, and you uh, give it a go, and uh, <laughs> come back from the end of the world that year, and Man, I just I drove around in the van with a few bits and pieces, and all of a sudden, um, yeah, people started taking taking on no fear, and from there we sort of grew over the over the few years while I was racing. Um, a small company turned into a big company, and uh, now we're a distribution channel for uh, for a lot of mainstream brands in New Zealand, such as Alpine Stars and Bell, 100% OGO, Pro Circuit, Works Connection, uh, Hinson. Um, so you know, just just out here, uh, yeah, just um, trying to make make uh, make it all better. 
how's the how is business down down there? Um, obviously, you know here I think it's coming back uh, stateside here and and even in Canada. You know I I keep close tabs up there with my buddies up there, dealers, distributors. There it was pretty bleak five six years ago. I feel like it's better. How was your business throughout the sort of crash and how is it now? How how's um is it recovering or is it has it recovered? Yeah, it's like I, I treated the I mean the. GFC like a like a really bad day in the sand in the middle of winter when I was first in Europe. It was um, man, it was hard work. You know, I didn't really never been in a in a downturn in my life. So mm-hmm. other than um, yeah, I don't know, getting run over by Smets and Martins, I guess in the sand. But uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> right. that's how I relate it to. Right. But um, yeah, that no, was really it was actually quite quite strange because you I mean I, I left school early. I wanted to be a motocross motocross rider at sixteen. I wanted to be a world motocross champion, and all of a sudden I'm thrown into this crisis where you got to try and. Um, I don't know. <laughs> try, yeah. try and figure out where, you, where your next dollar's coming from. What what products are going to sell? What aren't going to sell? Right. Um, and you know, people are people are. You know, we had the same as you guys, obviously on a less lesser scale. But mm-hmm. um, New Zealand's New Zealand's very you know a very unique country. We we live you know at the bottom of the world basically, and um, you know we're we're, we're fortunate to have um, around four million people here and sixty million sheep, and uh, you know we we just <laughs> we we make do, we get by, and we. You know, we live off the land a little bit more and live in our grass huts and uh, you know, take our horse and carriages to work, and, and eventually we get our power back. And, right. You know, things things get better, but you know, we we um mate, we just had to diversify and yeah. um, make it you know make it all work just like everyone else in the world that was in business. It was fun. It was a challenge. It was fun. Mm-hmm. And don't want to go through another one of those ever again. But um, probably you know, as I say it now, probably we probably will at some stage in our life. Now you don't sell to us. You don't sell to Australia. So what's the dealer network in New Zealand like? How what is it? Is it big? How, is it off road? I'm guessing it's enduro street stuff. Yeah, right? more trail rides, more trail yeah. riding street. You know, we have some beautiful, beautiful um, road riding. Um, land here, you know, as far as roads, single roads, um, mm-hmm. you know, you can imagine riding up the, up the, the west coast of, you know, from from LA up to San Francisco, right. with a lot of roads like that, a lot of ocean, obviously it's a very narrow country, um, so roads are very big adventure, you know, we're adventure capital of the world, so, you know, one day you can be, you can be bungee jumping, you can ride your bike on the, on the road, you know, next afternoon you can be riding motocross trails, you can be uh, riding motocross tracks, you can be, mm-hmm. I mean, swimming in the ocean, just a lot of a lot of different stuff. So we have a we have a beautiful country. So it's really you know it's probably more more road market. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's um it's um it's great for you know great for everything. Yeah, tons of adventure. So we just we just work on work in all areas: off road, road trails, um you know, then the adventure bikes. So we've we've a good best of both worlds or many worlds. How much you get out on a bike at all nowadays? I know you mountain bike, but I mean the the motocross kind. Um, I actually I got a new 450 from KDM. They sent me one about uh, a few weeks back now, and um, yeah, man, I've been I've actually done more riding this year than I have the whole time since I stopped racing. Oh, jeez, um, in 2007. So, yes. so you got the bug again? Know, just just yeah. enjoying. Yeah, I got the bug, man. I just love it. You know, it's yeah. so cool. Riding bikes is, is such a cool fun. It's just that adrenaline rush that you're always looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I actually wadded myself uh, a couple of weeks ago at a track. <laughs> you're, and, you're like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, screw this. <laughs> I thought, what the heck have I just done? You know, I thought I was, I thought I was 996 again, racing through Blum and Namur. Right, and, uh, right. Came out of this rut and just threw me on the ground and rung my bell and saw a few, few Tweety birds. And uh, you had a bruise for about two weeks, crying every night, thinking I was a little baby still. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's fun, mate. Riding dirt bikes is cool. You yeah. Get, and you can never not enjoy it. And we have some, like I said, great trail rides here. So we have a majority of trail riding. So we have some great land to be able to get out and just go trail riding with a bunch of buddies. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, people like Aaron Slyke, Greg Murphy, who's a car racer down here, uh, a few mountain bike guys, and we just get out and have a, have a blast. Um, tell me you get a free bike from KTM still, right? 
Are they giving me a discount off retail? So oh, you know, come on. You want a world you know, title. <laughs> no, okay. No, you're, they look after you, mate. Okay, good, good. good. Because, yeah, I, I, no. that, that saddens me. Some, 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 some guys I know, they're South African. They won multi-world championships. They have trouble getting bikes, and they complain about it. So I just, I'm glad that it's okay. Yeah. It's all good. So. Um, yeah, no, we, um, we're a bit different to South Africa. We're good at rugby, so that's probably half of the battle. Yeah. Um, you know, when you get a free bike, you've got to be good at rugby. I think you've got to have sheep. You've got to share them uh, with everybody. So, you know, there's lots of other things that come into it, not just get a free bike. Right. Way. No, I'm good friends with Jeff Leesk, and um, you know, yeah. Jeff Leesk is, you know, he's world number two. He's a good mate of mine, yeah. and uh, he runs New Zealand and Australia with KTM and, and Husqvarna. So, right. you know, we've got a great relationship with the factory as well and, you know, with Pitt and all the crew. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I, I grew on KTM. That's our one more championships. Rode for them for eight years, raced in America, which was just a little bit difficult. But, uh, you know, it was, you know, got a good relationship yeah. there. So no, that's good. It. It's good to hear. Now, obviously, you have the business there. Um, and I don't know what point it grew into, like, a really great business for you and everything else. But you and your wife, you guys have lived all over the world. I imagine you lived in Belgium, you know, obviously New Zealand. you got a country next to you, Australia. You lived in San Diego. Were you always, always, always going back home when everything was done? Always treated our home as a holiday, so we we went home you know, every year at the end of the end of the German Championship Series, mm-hmm. and then uh, we we always treated it as a go home and have a holiday. So we got away from our racing circle, and I mean that was something that I found very important for for me personally, and obviously for a vet, you know, she was just there mm-hmm. um, looking after me, you know, twenty four seven. So it was important. I went home and and left all the bikes at home, away for. Yeah, you know, on that side of the world. So that was, I mean, that was a good part of it. And plus, the, obviously, the weather. You know, we're, we're leaving summer to come back to summer, sort of, yeah, sort yeah. of thing. So True, right, yeah. we had a we had a fantastic time through sort of December, January, February, and then March. We're back on the plane again to the other side of the globe. So it was, I mean, just the perfect perfect way that we did it for yep. for um, eleven years. But always going to live there. Always going to live and go back home and live full time when you were done. Like never thought about living somewhere else. No, always, always yep. living here. It's a beautiful. Yep. I mean, it's a beautiful place. And yep. if you, if people, listeners have never been here, put it on your list to, to come one day. I know. There's so much here. You know, so much to offer. We have. You know, we have so much to offer here. It's it's fantastic. And sure, it's not, it's not California. It's not you know the other side of the world where there's you know a, a million mm-hmm. people. But uh, mate, put it on your put it on your shopping list. Come to New Zealand one day. I know. Place. You were telling me last time we talked. Wherever I don't know where we were. Were we in those nations? I don't remember, but you were like, "Yeah, come to New Zealand. I'll, I'll take you places. I'll, I'll take you everywhere." So it's, it's, it would be yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just just a cool place. You know, great place to experience experience life differently. You know, clean and easy. And yeah, I mean, there's nothing complicated here. And uh, I mean, we still have we still have fresh air, although we have a whole little nose and laugh from the Chinese and the Americans. I think that from <laughs> those big VHs many years ago. But yeah, no, I'm yeah. joking. Yeah. Um, the uh, I see you at those nations. I think every year, uh, maybe some GPs. How are you treated when you go back uh, to the GPs, designations, or whatever? Do you do you see Giuseppe? Do you get to talk to him? I mean, do they do they even they give you free passes? I assume I don't know. What do you think of when you go to these races now? Mate, I just I actually just love being low key. I just love paying for a ticket, putting some money back in the industry, and you know, I mean, just I, I don't expect anything. You know, I just mm-hmm. I, I kind of just like to walk in and and with my family and just just be a just be a a spectator, yeah. And, uh, you know, catch up with people was always great. You know, it's like going back home and mm-hmm. seeing all your friends. You know, because you know, like yourself, you know, you see you and we talk about stuff. It's like when 
we haven't we, we, we've only saw each other last week type thing. So yeah. for me, it doesn't. I mean, it's not about a pass. It's not about a VIP or credentials. It's just about man. I just love going there and watching the racing, get excited and get my adrenaline pumping and leave the event going. Man, I'm going to turn back into a motocross racer again until you know I wake up the next morning and realise that I'm old now. <laughs> Hey, when you go to these things, though, there's a lot of these same people in the pits that were there when you were there, when you were there, right? Yeah, it's 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 the same. You know, they just move around. It seems to be they all move around and <laughs> into different places, and right. you know, they go from being a, a rookie mechanic or washing the truck to you know full time factory mechanic for somebody else or even I mean, even team manager. So, right. just, man, it's yes, I've seen so much just like you, Steve. You know, you've seen so much come through, and so many people come and go and come back. Yeah, and uh, the sport is like a, like a drug, you know. It just it draws us back in, and you know, I was walking out of Glen Helen at the motor, um, at the GP a couple of months back, and um, you know, as I'm walking out, I'm, I'm walking down the road, and then look, look to my left, and there's Greg Albertine, like, hey, hey, and how you going? <laughs> you know I mean, like, you just, you, it's just strange, you know. Yeah, it just keeps yeah. on coming back. Yeah, no, for sure. How yeah, this is cool. How many years did you live in Europe and do the GPs? Uh, Eleven years. Eleven, 11 years. years. I started yeah. started in '93. And um, I mean, I left there in two thousand and into two thousand and one. So right. it was good. It was a good time. Um, you know, had had a, had a fun time there, man. It was just just a cool place to be. And all the years before that, obviously, I, um, I went over there as well in the sort of the eighties uh, to the end of the eighties, early nineties as yeah. well. You know, what bums me out about the GPs now, and I'll ask you what you think about it. Um, like nowadays, you know, Trampus Parker in eighty nine came out of nowhere, right? Um, you, yes. you and your brother Daryl. Um, Guys, Grant Langston, even um, you might not be able to race GPs because you won't have a team who wants to take a chance and pay for your entries, and you don't want to. You wouldn't have been probably in a position back then to pay for them. Parker wasn't. Like, I don't like that, man. Like, you know, we got eighteen guys on the line for for an MX one or, or less sometimes, and uh, I just don't know what they're doing. I, I just I, I shake my head. I. I don't know, Kinger. Maybe, you know, obviously yeah. it's about the dollar nowadays. It seems like that anyways. But, man, a guy like Shane King or Champus Parker, now there's no chance of you just showing up and, and lining it up. No, not unless you've got a decent amount of money that you can contribute to a team, is, I mean, is yeah. how I see it. But, I mean, just the day, I, mean, I, remember, I remember going to Europe with um, two bikes. I actually had one bike from Yamaha here that they, that they gave me to take to Europe. You know, Yamaha was my sponsor when I first went to Europe. Mm-hmm. And uh, they gave me a brand new YZ250. We pulled it down and we put it into suitcases. We put the wheels and made them look like drums. Because um, my mechanic Jimmy, he was a he was going to be the drummer if we got asked what, what was in the in the packages, and we drove all, we went all the way to Europe with this thing, and we put it together, and we went to this first race, and we rented a rental car, pulled the back seat out of it, yeah. put the bike in the back, and I took the forks out and, and back wheels and front wheel out, back wheel out, went to went to the race in France, Tom song and um, you know there was nobody there. We pulled up, it was like nine o'clock, nobody there, cool. Slept in the front of the car, put the seats back. <clears throat> wake up in the morning and there was trucks around us and just parked us in the middle. And I mean, this, this guy said, "Hey mate, could you move your car? What do you, you know, you parking areas over there." Well, no, no, we're racing. Yeah, yeah. Pulled the bike out of the back and people were just looking at us sideways. And I went away from that race, the very first race I did in Europe, with just like, man, who is this guy Shane King? I just beat, you know, I beat a lot of these French guys at the time. You know, Oliver uh-huh. Piran and um, Yves Murray was there. He, he beat me in the first two races, and I, I finished second to him in the. Sorry, I beat him in the last race. And right. um, yeah, man, that's how it all started. But yeah. now you could not pull up in a car and pull your bike out of the back seat. <laughs> no. um, everyone look at you, you get thrown out of the place. They'll take you out with police. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's changed. It's changed. And uh, it, it's, you know, I mean, it's then and it's now, I guess, and money. And like you say, money's a big a big part of it, you know, like uh, 
you know, the million dollars I've got to pay you to get this thing on Poppy Mix, man. It's human. Everyone wants money. So. <laughs> I mean, it seems, I mean, in some ways it's better. No doubt. In some ways it's better, you know, but in some ways it's worse. Like, I don't know. Maybe they come to the, maybe the Shane Kings, Grant Langstons of the world, Trampus Parkers, maybe they, you know, Tramp, well, Parker's American, but maybe you guys come to America where you, where you can just show up in a, maybe not a car anymore, Kinger, but you can show up in a pickup truck, you know, and, and, and see yeah. what you got. So. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but so, I mean, the European the European way was um, was pretty. It was difficult, but it was pretty simple. You could just go there, race international races, and, mm-hmm. and you could go from race to race and earn some decent money, start money, get a, right. you know, a bit of credential there with with results. It was it was fun times. Right, and um, that's definitely gone. That is definitely gone. But um, I mean, a lot of stuff's gone. We've gone from two strikes to four strikes as well. So yeah. yep. technology's changed it, life's changed it, and you know we just got to get on with what it is and try and you know I mean try and produce as many world champions, champions as we can from each of our countries. And that's something I'm doing now is working with some young guys to, you know, try and try and produce some, some Josiah Nanskis and some Ben Townleys and Shane Kings and, yeah. and Daryl Kings and stuff. Because if we don't all think about that, we're, you know, the sport's going to be 15 people on the line and that's it. Yeah. It's, it's uh, Australia. I don't know if it's the strength of their national series or what it is, but you know, we don't see burner and Chad and Metcalf and, Reardon and um, you know whoever else over the years that these fast Australians come to America and race Supercross and Motocross seems like you know maybe they're making enough money locally or they just don't aren't quite on that level. But and even with New Zealand, you know, obviously the the heyday of the King Brothers and BT and Josh Coppins and Daryl Hurley later on after that, um, you know, just it's a little different. I don't know, and maybe that's a strength of the national series. Yeah, I, I just—it's harder. You know, it's mm-hmm. really hard. You've got to—you've got to put a lot together to come to—you know—to come to America from here. You know, it right. doesn't cost much in a plane. You can't—you you know, struggle. You get your, your own shock and forks in, a, in an airplane these days. Yeah, you know, yeah. With what's been going on in the world, and um, I mean, the cost of getting everything organizes a lot more. And nobody wants to—you know—GFC changed the world, as they say. And um, I mean, that, that was—I uh, mean, not many people want to give away. Um, as much as they wanted to, you know, as they did before, and yeah. I mean, which the opportunity is not there as much. So, yeah. I mean, you got to come there, you got to have a big checkbook and, and open it up, and then just, you know, I mean, work your ass off to finish. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. try and get into the main of, a, of an event in a Supercross and, or you know, a national. So, you know, before you didn't you just didn't give it a second thought, go over there and Mitch Payton give you a bike and right. this guy give you some gear and that guy do this, and before you know it, you're on the start line and you're finishing. <laughs> I mean, I remember first national rider, and I was, you know, I mean, actually, wow, I finished, wow, qualified. Yeah, yeah. Holy smoke, yeah. how cool is that? Yeah. Um, so um, that, that doesn't happen. Did you think? Okay, so at, at some point you're getting really fast in New Zealand, and your your Daryl is already in Europe, I guess. So maybe that was the why you chose Europe. But did you think about America back when you were a kid? Like, obviously, you went there in, in 2000, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But um, were you thinking, hey, I want to go to America, or why Europe? Was it just because Daryl was there? No, ninety-one. I went to America and raced, um, r- raced a few races for about three so two or three months in America and uh-huh. California, and just you know went to went to you know Glen Helen and you know all these tracks around sort of California, and yep. actually quite enjoyed myself. In ninety-three, I went back and stayed with Mark Peters and, and got involved with the, the Peters family. Uh-huh. Um, I was actually driving a water truck and dozer <laughs> and stuff at Glen Helen and riding in the afternoon, and mm-hmm. I mean it was kind of cool. And then. Um, I, I um, we went to a Supercross actually in San Jose, and uh, I, I was a second, only second. Uh, so I was a second Yamaha to qualify for the final at San Jose Supercross. Okay. With Damon Bradshaw and me, and um, 
Keith McCarty came up to me after you know, I mean, after the, the heat race and just said, after the semi-final, sorry, and said, uh, hey, we want to, you know, as a vet's got our hands dirty with an air sorter and a hand, you know, air sorter in a hand trying to get the air sorter out. <laughs> right. And, um, I mean, I'm sitting there, sitting there with my gear on, trying to hold the chain, and he's like, hey, let us do the bike and get, you know, we'll take it over. And I think Steve, Steve at the time, from the Yamaha team, Steve Butler, I think yep. it was, yep. he took it away and, hey, they put new this and that on there and new plastics and it turned up. I was just like, whoa, how cool is that? Yeah, that's awesome. And then Keith McCarty come to me. He said, hey, when, you know, next week I want you to come into Yamaha and we'll have a chat. So I went in there and he kind of offered me a little bit of a support ride for, um, you know, further, through that through that season. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, man, hey, what are you doing next year? And then in that time, my brother called me up and he said, what are you going to do? From He called from Europe. What are you going to do? I right. said, oh, I've this little bit of an offer from Yamaha. Yep. It's kind of cool. He said, man, you always wanted to be a world champion motocross rider. What, what, come to Europe. You know, we're going to hang out with the Masodans. We can do this. We can do that. And... And the rest is history, really. I left America that next year and went to went to Europe. So I, mean, like, I, I didn't really have America on my radar. Yeah, you know I mean, it wasn't really a, right. really a, a thing, but kind of cool. You know, I enjoyed it. It was it's a good lifestyle. But yeah. you know, I'm glad what I done. I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, you know, I got to spend some time with with Chad Reed when I was over there at the end of my career, and that was fun. You know, to see him mm-hmm. succeed in Europe, and it just reminded me of when I was there. So. Um, I mean, America's America's a cool place, right. um, but it wasn't on my radar back in that day. Check you out, Kinger. You were a supercross rider. Who knew? <laughs> I was a supercross rider, dude. Go back in history and right. check it out. San Jose supercross. I might, I might have gone. You know, I remember being on the start line. I remember being on the start line actually sitting there, and it was the supercross that Jim Michelle Bale got booed at, like big time. And I'm sitting there, just they had the parade um, for the final, and he just got booed, and I, and no one started beside him. And he had the he had the fastest time in qualifying. He had the first pick on the gate for the final, and there was only one spot left on the gate. Um, it was next to him. And it was right beside him. No one wanted to start beside him. You know what I mean? I just couldn't believe it. And then wow. we went out the parade. So he, he went at the parade, come back, and I was trying to fix my rut. And um, at the time, I think Brian Lennis was his mechanic. And um, G. Michelle said to Brian, hey, hold my bike. And he, G. Michelle went over and grabbed my bike. And held my bike for me. Oh, really? While I while I fixed my <laughs> while I fixed my rut and the and the stuff. Just like, oh, yeah. You know I mean, I, I was actually embarrassed. I was actually embarrassed. You know, I was like, "Hey, man, that's cool. I can I can just land against the box and do it myself." Right. <laughs> but uh, um, I mean, it was just it was hard case and my experience in America. So your brother Daryl is a couple years older than you, eighteen months or whatever. Um, what and he you had it over in ninety three. You said he was in there late eighties. He went to Europe in the late eighties. Yeah, he was here late eighties. Okay, yeah, eighty nine. So nine ninety broke his leg at Switzerland the GP when he was six, and I mean just had a few few things that yeah. went on as you do in the sport. Growing up, and you have a younger brother too. Um, growing up, was he? Were you just constantly chasing him? Were you just? Was he always faster than you? And when he got the ride to Europe, you're like, I wanted, I can do it. I, I you know, I want to travel. Or like, how did that go? Growing up and and learning from him and practicing with him and all that. Man, we used to lay in our room, him and I, in our, in our bedroom, you know, one on one side, one on the other in our beds, and used to dream about the Dave Thorpe and the Mel Herb and the big truck and all this gear and all these things, and yeah. used to dream about stuff. And then when we got to sort of 16, 17, 18, we used to beat it, beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> and, um, I mean, it used to be, it used to be, because we were racing, you know, he was, yeah. he would ride 250, I'd ride 125, then all of a sudden we're in the same class and we're fighting with each other. And then, you know, I mean, he went off and he did his, did his thing with, with his wife and, I was his girlfriend, and you know, I stayed stayed in New Plymouth, um, which is mm-hmm. our hometown. And uh, you know, we just fought every weekend. You know, we 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 hated each other on the track, and we loved each other off it. And oh, cool! I think that's what gave us the that's uh-huh. what gave us the 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 fight, the energy, the 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 mana. I think to to just to, to take take it to where we took it to. You know, and um, you know, two brothers fighting their ass off. And I remember one day 
you know, he picked up my mountain bike and just threw it down the hill, you know, over the back of the fence of the house. And I went out and just kicked the side of his car and, you know, put this massive dent in it. And I actually feel really bad. Then it kind of stopped, you know. It was like, okay, right, cool. We've just done something really bad to each other's, um, you know, life. So, but, um, no, we drove each other. You know, we had that – we just – we drove each other hard. We practiced together. We rode together. Um, you know, we learned from each other. But we wanted to beat each other as well. And I was more worried about on the racetrack where, where he was – rather than, than the other guys. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, where's Daryl? You know what I mean? He's behind me. Like, he's three behind me. Like, he's two in front of me. So, I mean, I was really... I think that's what drove me more, and I'm 100% sure that's what drove him more. So, yeah. it was a good thing. You know, it's a good thing. Now, forgive me for not doing my proper research. Where's Coppins in all this? There? So, Josh turned, Josh turned up late. He's, he's probably five years behind us. Okay. All right. Um, okay. He was... When we were sort of just leaving, he was sort of the next kid on the block in New Zealand. And, right, okay. Um, you know, for the next couple of years, Josh come through um, from New Zealand to Europe, and he was, you know, he was a bit of fun. He had, you know, a bit of funding for him as well. He rode for Suzuki, mm-hmm. uh, for Suzuki factory team. So he bought a ride into Suzuki with some funding, which, you know, was fantastic. It put him into a good stead moving forward. So, right, right. Um, you know, he was about five five years behind us, and um, he just had the the right people, the right time straight off. So his his footsteps were a little bit easier than ours. But right. at the time, that's what worked for him, and that's what worked for us in our time. So yeah, um, you know, I mean, just just great great for him. Well, and then the you know, next person coming through. Coppins opened the door for BT. You know what I mean? Like so, it was just like one of those things down the road. Um, yeah, just yeah. BT story. You know, there's BT so many stories about BT. I mean, when turned out to my place when he's running for Phase Suzuki in Germany and. Um, he, um, I think his mum or his dad called me up and um, just said, hey, Shane, look, Ben's in you know, a bit of trouble with this team in Germany. I um, don't know why there's a bit of trouble in Germany, yeah. but um, <laughs> there's a bit of trouble with the team in Germany. Shocking, <laughs> and, uh, shocking. You know, he out. He's coming to Belgium. <laughs> He's coming to, coming to Belgium and, yep, no worries. You know, and he turned up on my doorstep, uh, Vietnam's doorstep, and just said, you know, I mean, could, you, could I train with you a little bit and could you teach me how to, you know, I mean, cook yeah. and do stuff? And right. I said, mate, I leave here at 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, I think it was 7 o'clock in the morning, I think it was, and I go running there, I go to the bush for an hour for a run, I come back, eat breakfast, and I mean, if you're here at 5 to 7, call at 7 o'clock, I'm gone. He was there at 10 to 7, waiting at the door until yep. I opened it up. And you know, from that day, I said to Vetship, this kid's going yeah. to be something that can carry this through. So, oh. I mean, it's just, um, once again, that mana, that New Zealand mana, mate, that all-black mana. <laughs> um, what it is. Wh- so, Daryl, what was your first ride? Like, why did, when Daryl called you and said, what are you going to do? And you're like, well, I don't know, I might, I might be the next Bradshaw. Um, he said, come to Europe, what kind of ride did you have? What, what, what team did you do? Did you do 500s? Or how did that work your first year there? No, first year, this is going to sound really strange, but I was a 125 World Grand Prix rider. It does sound strange. Yamaha does 93. Sound, right, okay. If you've seen the size of me, and yeah. you know, I'm a you know, yeah. brick shit ass Kiwi. You are a uh, uh, rugby player. Yeah. I played for the All Blacks. Yeah, you are um, um, I mean, a, that was, a built guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I jumped on a 93 YZ-105, and I think we had a Masico pipe and muffler on it, and we had a dyno with some people that, that looked after us a little bit, and we you know, we tuned that thing to a standstill every week, and then we got it going again, and we tuned it to a standstill. <laughs> and I remember getting one point in the uh, San Marino Grand Prix, and yep. I rung the world that night from <laughs> the press room, because we used the press room phones, because you could do it for free, because right. we had no money. Um so yeah, that's how it all started. I raced 125, and I used to I raced 250 in France. I did a lot of Fran- a lot of French races. So Yannick Cavallo, uh, um, Olivier Perrin. What team were you on? Daryl was where? What was Daryl? 500? Nor was Daryl. Daryl was 500 for um, for a team in Belgium. So okay, so who'd you have? Team, so 
Uh, I just had Jimmy and Shane King racing. Oh, okay. So you, okay. So yeah, you were just really like privateer guy. Just come on over and try it. Full privateer. Yeah, full privateer. Just man, we were there for fun. We were, you know, we were living out of cars. We were living out of the back of a van that we bought. And we were yeah. breaking conrods. We were sleeping on the side of motorways, and we even had a petrol hose that we were sucking diesel out of some <laughs> things to get to the next race. So oh, we were having some fun in Europe. We were we were like two two uh, two young Kiwi lads that were just trying to figure it all out. Would, would this have been? Would this have been uh, Puzar days, Coyote days? Puzar, no. Yeah, Puzar, Coyote. Um, yeah. I remember. Yeah, I remember the Coyote days. And you had this factory Yamaha 125 that sounded like a 350. <laughs> I know, right? And uh, <laughs> yeah, incredible. Someone was, tell- incredible. Someone, someone and, was uh, telling me that his Husky was a cheater bike every single year. I don't know for sure, but someone who do wrenched over there was like, "Oh, it was brutal." So. I'm sure they use 150s because I couldn't do what they would do. I was probably you know, 10 kilos heavier than them, I guess, 10 or 15 kilos heavier, which you guys probably understand that. Maybe 30 pound, 40, 50 pound heavier. Oh, 50, than, yeah. Than him. He's, and, yeah, um, he's got to be 50. Yeah. Lighter yeah, than 50 you. 50 yeah. pound heavier than those guys. And they'd pull out of the start gate by six bike lengths in the first, you know, three yards. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, like, how the heck? You know, just, I'd just sit there and go, okay, cool. I'd just. Once again, just went to the corner. You know, when they backed off, I just counted three seconds, and then I backed off, <laughs> and uh, you know, found some spots. But uh, yeah, those guys were mate, their bikes were just amazing. Yeah, Italian Italian motocross teams in those days. Um, man, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, they might have been um, yeah. maybe doing some some things that weren't, weren't legal, but I yeah. wouldn't have clue. I didn't care. I just wanted to ride races and, yeah. and have fun and do some do some cross ups. People got to remember too. This is. Uh... This is Eastern Bloc. This is borders. This is no internet. This is a tough time. When I talked to Langston or Brownie or any of these guys, Parker, I did one of these with Parker, they talk about how lonely and how tough it was to travel back then and how it, frankly, sucked. Did you get depressed? Did you come close to pulling the pin? Did you, how was that sort of part of it? And every border we crossed into the Eastern Bloc, I remember going to Chico one time and we sat at the border for – I don't know, maybe three hours, four hours, and finally got to the front of the line, and the guy said, um, you can't enter because you're from New Zealand and you don't have, you know, the right paperwork. And, you know, we gave him everything we had, and he said, no, you can't, I mean, you can't, you can't come in. You know, we were going to the Chico Grand Prix. Yeah. And, I don't know, magically, the wallet popped open, and a little bit of money fell out on the floor, and all of a sudden, yeah, no worries, mate, go through. <laughs> go on. So we kind of figured, we kind of figured, figured out that you're just going to try and have a little bit of money at the right place, but, um, man, it was tough, you yeah. know, real tough, even into France, you know, and, and you, in different parts of France, you know, you just it was really different to what it is today. Mm-hmm. Open borders now, it's easy, you know, it's a piece of cake. But, oh, yeah. Um, you know, which might change after last week, you know, with what, what's going know. on in Paris. Hey, but, I was just in Lille. Um, I was in Lille. That's scary. Yeah, no, it's yeah, scary, man. Scary. You're a few hundred kilometers away, but still, it's like I mean, you're there. You're in that yep. country. You're out of your, your own, your own country. And mm-hmm. I mean, it, it used to be used to be like that. Everywhere you go, you're worried to go into a country because you're afraid what's going to happen. And mm-hmm. man, I'm going to come in. I'm going to go out. But um, I mean, just going to the Chico story over there, and um, yeah, when I crossed the border, I was like, oh, man, how are we going to get out of this place? I said, like, are they going to tell us to get out? And what's all we're worried about? Right. How much cost us to get out of the place? And I mean. It's just crazy. That's what it used to be like. The scary part of racing was that. And, um, you know, the one time with the event in Hungary, you know, they separated, we landed at the airport, separated us into two separate rooms, and the guy just came in and put his leg up on the table and said, you have a nice life, huh? And I said, mate, how much is it going to cost you to get out of this place? He's trying to... I was like, no, hey, your, uh, your phone's breaking up. Move, move around a little bit. Your phone's breaking up. 
Yeah, no, I just asked the you know the guy just put his leg up on yeah. the desk and said, um, "How much?" Uh, he said, "You have a nice wife, huh?" <laughs> and I just said to him straight away, "How much is it going to cost me to oh. to get us out of operation?" So yeah, it's amazing what a little bit of money. Could Jesus, do in wow! So in that Crazy first year, price. that first year, you got one point. Is that it? One point, which was like um, <laughs> you winning the national lot- lottery in America when it's the most money. Then it was just like when I was, I was a hero. I, was, I just yeah. couldn't believe it. Right. I mean, Yvette still tells the story today. Wow, that's cool. She still tells the story today when she's <laughs> had a couple of glasses of wine. You know, yeah, I was yeah. so, one, so impressed with one point. <laughs> were you, hey, and like a lot of guys that come from other countries, could you ride the sand? Did you base yourself in Belgium? Were you struggling in the sand? How was your sand skills? I was actually pretty amazing in the sand. I was only like, I think the first race I went to, I think like 23 seconds off. <laughs> so it wasn't too bad. Wasn't, um, you you didn't have much to go. 19 seconds off. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then I got down to about five seconds off. So yeah, and, mate, those guys are just born in it. You know, Stephanie Everts. I remember going to a, a Grand Prix in Holland and uh, I qualified seventh and I was, I think I was 14 seconds off Joel Smith's Jesus, in qualifying. Jesus, wow. Yeah. You know, just like shocking. Right. But, hey, racing's a different story. Get out of the gate and all of a sudden you get into a rhythm and before you know it, you you know what I mean? I won a lot of races in the sand and not being the best sand rider in the world. But, yeah, man, that sand technique, it doesn't come from New Zealand. We've got some beautiful beaches, but yeah, man, yeah. I think all we used to do was lay on them with, on a towel. That's about <laughs> what we did with, with sand here. Well, and, you know, I think some of the Americans thought they were pretty good sand riders too, and then we went to Lomo. They went to Lomo, you know, and it was like, oh, <laughs> wait a minute. So... Oh. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm the best sand rider until you get to Lomo, and then all of a sudden you realize what it's what it's really about over there. It's incredible. Uh, Shane King on the uh, BTOsports.com Racer X podcast, 1996 500 world champion. Uh, listen to this commercial from Racetech and uh, get some suspension work. Use the code PulpMX2015 to save money with Racetech. They are taking air forks and uh, putting spring conversion forks in these things, uh, Kinger. They're pretty popular over here to ditch the air forks. So. Racetech's killing it that way. Yeah. And um, also, to Michelin, Michelin Starcross uh, 5. Uh, you use Michelin's, Kinger. Uh, they got a new one. Four uh, different patterns. New casing design incorporates stronger, higher-density materials. Reduced weight up to 15% for the sand tire and uh, a little bit more for the other ones. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Listen to Michelin. Uh, get Pick up a Michelin. Whatever you thought of Michelin's before. And, Kinger, you'll hold your, you'll hold your tongue here. Try the new Starcross 5. <laughs> Um, all right, we'll take a commercial break here, and we'll be right back with uh, Shane King. Hey, thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Racetech people, Racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with Racetech. Trust me on this. There's more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you... And probably 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Racetech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Racetech, Privateer Proven, they work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Racetech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10%? 
at uh, Racetech. Go to PulpMX2015. When you order, you can save 10% at Racetech.com. And they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right. Back to the show. Michelin tires are back, people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiffness that you have when you come into corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. It's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the, the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension and tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelin's uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage, and normally you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit, but this, uh, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage, so uh, it was a lot better for me you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire they cover all the uses, Kiefer. Reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction, handling. They do it all. Starcross 5, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out, the local dealer people. These guys know tires and they know what they're doing. And we're back on the BTOSports.com RaceRex Podcast. 96, 500 world champion Shane King with me. Um, that, that year, 96, that you won the title, um, you're, on, you're in 500s. You're in Wolf Sport gear which is awesome on so many levels. Um, Amazing. Who are you riding for? I know KTM helped, but, like, what team is it? It was a silent sport. Let's get back to the Wolf Sport. The Wolf Sport gear was, in that day, in that time, was just not not, not really that heard of outside of England. And, right. Um, you know, Bill Brown, who owns Wolf Sport, um, you know, he was a guy that paid um, great points money and... Um, I mean, he had a, had a great bonus program, and uh, yeah, just happened to I mean, talk with him, bump into him, and the year before we used a little bit of um, used a little bit of his money up. So mm-hmm. I just threw him a threw him a threw him an offer and said, "Mate, I don't want any money, yeah, but if I win the world championships, I want this." And he just said, ninth last year, yeah, and you going to win the world championship." He goes, oh, "I'm a gambling man. I'll give it a go." <laughs> Nine months later, he was selling his helicopter to pay his bill. So, really? Um, huh? But, well, no, awesome. Yeah, so awesome though. Great, great guy. Great yeah. people. Great brand at that time for me. And um, man, it was in the day. It it didn't look like a, a fox or an alpine stars or a or a Thor, but uh, or a fly. But um, <laughs> man, I was didn't care what I looked like. Hey, you're making some money. Yeah, you're making some money. Didn't so uh, ninth <laughs> overall, your brother was third in '95. Um, you were you've come a long way from getting one point at this point, right? Ninth overall, you're like, okay, hey, so I'm getting the hang of this. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was um, yeah I don't know just uh, 20, 24th and then uh, went to uh, ninth and then the year I was twenty fourth actually broke my ankle the year before mm-hmm. um, so ninety ninety four I broke my ankle quite bad and and uh, that set me up set me up for a while 
and then uh, got back into it the following year. We went on to KTM under the 360 with a team, FVM team, which is in Belgium that Daryl mm-hmm. rode for. Yeah. And Daryl went off and rode for Kawasaki Belgium um, with the own Leutens, and they started riding the KX500. And then uh, Eddie Massadon, uh, Silent Sport, not sure if you remember Silent yeah, Sport. Yeah, no, for absolutely. company in Germany. Yeah. Um, so we started, he, he was a part of that team then, and he started, decided he wanted to make his own team with KTM. So we've become the official KTM 500 team with him. And um, we started on a 360. Trampas Park was with the Ferrioli team in Italy at the time. Yep. And uh, we just we kind of had had a good good relationship, and and um, next minute we're you know we got the same mature as Trampus, and and uh, yeah, I, I just become the just become the person that was sort of uh, yeah doing a bit, bit bit better than him at the time, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow, it's, yeah, it's a nice and, uh, it's a r- nice rise. Yeah, we just you I mean the year before ninth, you know, I, I didn't start doing that great at the start of the year because I only had a stock standard three hundred and sixty that wasn't wasn't that good and it was white. And then soon as they got to it, I think it was around nine, they changed the plastics to orange, and I just felt more comfortable. I must be an orange guy. I don't know. Maybe like orange lollipops. I'm not sure, but <laughs> it changed to orange. And then from it changed to orange. I don't know. Coincidence, whatever it is, color. Yeah. Knows, but as soon as it changed to orange, all of a sudden, man, I started being at the top of the top of the, you know, the, on the podium. So yeah. I remember going to Portugal and, you know, I won a moto there and finished second in the next round and then it was the end of the season and, and uh I mean all of a sudden I was the I was the, the number one at KTM. Yeah. And uh went to Italy the first round medley in ninety six and I was kind of a you mean someone they thought would be top five in the championship and just won both motos by over twenty five seconds. Yeah, I watched that on YouTube to prepare for this podcast. How was that? Yeah, you smoked them. Um Jackie Martin's track was, track was amazing. Yeah, track <laughs> was amazing. You know, it, it was SD uh, soil was great. I just just the bike was per- you know when you're in that perfect space, you yeah. put everything spot on, everything you touched turned to gold. Re- you know, rewinded it back a week. Here I am in Italy. We're driving, so we're driving down to Italy through mm-hmm. through Switzerland. Uh, sorry, through Austria into into Italy. And this uh, Renault Clio pulls out of this um, off the freeway where there's all this road work, and we run to the side of it, smash the front oh. of the truck open. Jeez. And um, anyway, that's a whole other story that we could go on for hours. So we get to Italy. We go to Cremona. We do some testing with KDM. And um, inside the truck, we had this this fantastic Kiwi bit of Kiwi, Kiwi ingenuity where we wired up this wire uh, electrical cord backwards. So we had the two pieces sticking out were live. <laughs> I'd been riding all day, and I said to Vet, throw it, just throw it out the window. I need to plug it in. Hurry up, throw it out the window. She threw it out the window, and I grabbed the live thing. It just blew me back about five or six yards on the ground. Really? So I got electrocuted. Jesus. Electrocuted three days out from the Grand Prix. So oh. I owe my whole world championship to Vet throwing that at the window and getting electrocuted. Oh, wow. Because I reckon that started my heart again and gave me a bit of, I don't know, an extra speed. Jeez, that's crazy. Um, yeah, 1-1 one, one at the opening round, like you said. You got uh, Jackie Martin, Smets, the, the, Smets is the defending title, defending uh, champion. He's on a four-stroke, on a Husaberg, and I don't know what Jackie Martin is on, but um, Mike Healy was there. Showed Mike Healy. Yeah. Jeez, forgot about him. Um, yeah. So from there, from the opening, like I remember, I couldn't... F- remember too much couldn't find too much online king but i remember you kind of controlled the thing right like you clinched it early you were really on fire that year am i do i am i not remembering right no i i the first round i just gave them all a and then took more or less and all of a sudden um we went to austria grand prix which which was the week after uh-huh. and um i mean smith had a bad one in the second race i had like a 19 point lead after one round or 15 point lead after one round yeah and, uh, which is huge, you know, 15 points, because that's when 20 for first, 18 for second, 15 yeah. for third. And um, 
I went to the next round and uh, yeah, first moto the muffler broke and um, ended up DNSing the first race. Oh, good and job, all of a Jimmy. I'm second in, second in the championship. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, second in the championship. And then uh, the next moto I finished. I managed to win, win the won the second moto mm-hmm. and um, you know redeemed myself. And but still, only had 20 points for the whole day. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I'm third in the championship. And then I got the championship lead again back in Plymouth on a France, you know, in front of 40,000 people, which was just amazing. You know, yeah. it's, it's amazing racing in France as you you know as you the nations and saw how, yeah. how it can be and um then it went to sweden and sweden was where you know the big press thing got going and i never got involved with this whole big press thing in belgium it was all about um you know i mean i, I never read never understood flemish yeah you know a little bit but i never read any newspapers i never listened to radios i just did what i did and uh-huh. i mean you know read, read, read what i read in english that, that was you know out of america yeah because it was all all, all all out of outside of europe and i uh, got to belgium and and I started to, to uh, Sweden, and uh, it was a sand track. And I don't know what happened that day, but I remember I remember being in the bush with the boss of Yamaha talking about the contract that they offered me for the they wanted to offer me for the next year with the new YZM 400. But I just I, I I just man, it was just like everything was just going so cool. And I won that Grand Prix in the sand. Yeah, Nets should have beaten me by you know 300 laps. But, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. For some reason, I just so that was the, that was the big turning point right there. And then when we got to Holland. Into Lerup, um, the big talk there was that these people are pay, getting paid money to take me down. And um, I mean, to this day, I don't know if it was true, but when yeah. I got pushed off the track by a few hundred, few hundred yards by Jackie Martins, uh, when he should have gone left, and I'm pretty sure he, you know, he should have gone left. But right. I went straight ahead right. um, when his Husqvarna jammed against me. Um, yeah, and then I come. I mean, in that race, I ended up going back to 15th, coming back up to, to right behind Jackie. Um, riding into the pits, and I don't know who grabbed me, but somebody gra- just rugby tackled me as I was f- jumping in the air to, you know, to give yeah, um, to get twenty-four foot tall Jackie Martin's a punch in the head. Right, right. Which you know, I, <laughs> I was so angry. You know, I mean, so angry, and that again drove me in the second race to finish. You know, just off the podium in the second race, and yeah. Leon Gisbers rode that year and won, and Smith got second. So, and he got second in both motos, so lost lost a lot of points there. So, yeah, I didn't have command of it, but you know, right. when the time I got to Germany the last round, I won it before the you know before the last one at the first race instead of the you know the last race. So, um, yeah, coolest day of my life, man. That was awesome. Oh, it's got to be phenomenal, right? Was this uh, was this uh, Namor too? Did you ride Namor? Yeah, Namur was the year, you know, 96, I actually won at Namur. And if you've ever been to Namur... I've never in, been, yeah. ...in those days, when, when you race, when you go through a forest on a mountain bike, yeah, that's like Namur. And there's not a tree in the middle. There's several trees in the middle. Oh, and you just decide and practice which side you're going on because that tree with those two hay bales on there can take you out and clean you up pretty quickly. But oh, and that was an experience. That was an experience. And that was a track that I really knew that year I had to do well at because it's in Belgium because the hype. Mm-hmm. And I went down there. I went down there a month before, and Yvette would come down with me. She'd go into town shopping. I would just go and run around the mill, run around the motocross track. wasn't yeah. marked out. There was nothing there, but I'd right. run around it and just feel. Wanted to feel the energy. Wanted to feel. You know, and cycle yeah. down to Namur and, you know, carry my my road cycle around the track once, and then cycle the way home, which took like four, three or four hours. And yeah, I won the mur. Man, that's you I mean I still got the trophy. As I went to my house, the trophy that I won at the mur is still sitting there in the in the entranceway every day. Well, that's, see that one. Like a lot of people say, like a lot of championships, world championships swing at Namur one way or another. You know what I mean? Because it is so yeah. different. Because it's such a, a weird place. So Yeah. Um just a crazy you're on the road and you're launching up onto this concrete road and you're not getting rested by dirt, you're getting rested by rock. And <laughs> you know, your tires are so worn out from the road sections and I mean just I mean 
Uh, amazing, you go past this pub that's on the side of the road. Right, uh, right, yeah. Can I get a coffee? Can I get a coffee? Make a two shots. Well, Carliquist, that's where Carliquist stopped, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, did yeah, you? Machine. How was Smets with you? I mean, he seems. I don't know him. I've talked to him. I've interviewed him. He seems like a nice guy. But look, he's the Belgium, and he's got the number one. And this Kiwi is beating him. And how was his? How how are you with Joel? Was it good? Was he a nice guy? I, He's the biggest. No, he was. No, Joe was cool. He's actually a proper racer. You know what I mean? Yeah. He didn't believe it at the start. He didn't believe that me winning at SD was going to be a problem for him because right. he had a bit of a bad day. Yeah. It wasn't going to be a problem going forward. But as the Grand Prix come on, he saw that, I mean, this this big all-back style guy from New Zealand's, you know what I mean? Yeah. going to be a threat every weekend. So he was, if you're watching yeah, any videos or any movies on YouTube of that, he spoke English at the start. And then about halfway through, he talked Flemish. <laughs> he never just... spoke English again. So I don't know. Read from that what you want. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he, he, it all become Flemish, you know. So yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but the year before was all English, and the year after was all English. Right. Um, but you know, I mean, Giles, he's a good mate. You know, I mean, we yeah. raced together. We we fought. We we um, you know, we had we had fun, mate. We had fun racing together and at international races as well. And he's a he was a great competitor, great person to race with. Um, you know, like all of them, like they all were. Yeah, and um, I had so much fun with those guys, and it was cool. I was just, a, I was just an idiot from New Zealand that was trying to, you know, trying to take their take their trophies away. How was uh, how was um, KTM with you? I mean, obviously, like you said, number nine, you're a legit guy, and everything else. But did you notice them starting to come around a lot more? I mean, you rode for the German team and everything else. You had to do the German championships, I would imagine. Um, but how was KTM yeah. with you and getting parts and kind of all of a sudden they're like, shit, they're like this King guy is pretty good. Yeah, it was, it was family. You know, even today, you know, I can still walk into the front door of KDM and and I mean, still be like a feel, still feel like I was in '96. And right. I mean, that 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 part of my life with KDM was was just amazing. And wish that every motorcycle rider could have that in their career of, in, inside motor, motocross because they, I mean, they took me in their arms. They gave me a chance. They opened up every opportunity for me in '96 to 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 better you know to better the bike. Mm-hmm. To, I mean, a lot of people don't know, but in 96 at the French Grand Prix in Plomion, we stopped for pizza um, at, a, at, a, at a restaurant on the way back in, in, um, in just on the border of France and Belgium. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't see the back of the camp, the, the truck, and someone broke and stole both bikes. The mafia stole both bikes. Oh, shit. So two, two hand-built factory bikes in the back, back of our truck were yeah. stolen. Yeah. We spent all night with, um, you know, I mean, with Aaron, Aaron Slight and Simon Clay for the road races at the Kiwi guys that went there. Um, searching for these bikes, you know, I mean, there's derelict houses and buildings, with big open land that they, they, we, we followed the trails into. And when I talked to, I mean, the scariest thing was to tell KTM the next day mm-hmm. when we got back home was, hey, I've got no bike for the weekend, and we're going to go to Portugal. What do we do? Yeah, but they they just said, no problem, whatever it takes, we'll make it happen. And we finally got a chance to get the bikes back at fifty thousand US dollars each, which KTM said, nah, don't worry about it, we don't want them. Let yeah. keep them. We're not going to pay anybody any money. To yeah, them, yeah, All right. Get them back. So that's they were just there to. I mean, every second, whatever I needed, they gave me. You know, and they were a great part of my career, a great part of my family of racing. And to this day, man, they're still, you know, um, important part of my life. How did Daryl do that year that you won? How was his? Uh, how was his results? Did he get hurt? Yeah, he got hurt. Um, I think I... So he was second after the first round, and then the third, the, the second round, he was leading. Um, and then I think at a French international, so sort of somewhere around around Paris, I think, or Le Mans, he uh, crashed and cracked a bone in his wrist. Mm-hmm. So um, that put him on the sidelines for about two or three weeks. So 
you know, and I didn't see him for a few weeks, really. You know, he lived just down the road a few few hundred metres, and I mean, he just he was just devastated, devastated yeah. that he had had a chance like I was every weekend, and all of a sudden it was gone. But um, I mean, he finished. I think he finished third that year. Yeah. In the end, he come back and and um, sorry, sorry, finished sixth that year. Come back and you know, still still made it. You know, decent decent result out of right. missing three Grand Prix. Yep. And then um, yeah, he was, um, um, you know, he had a good chance as me. We we would have driven each other to the front every race, and it would have been a fight between Daryl and myself. I just if he didn't it didn't have broke his wrist. Right, right. Yeah, that would have been something, huh? Can you imagine fighting that out? <laughs> Ooh, yeah, yeah. We're the only family in the world, I think, inside motocross that had three brothers on the podium. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, so inside inside the top ten um, of the world championship of any world championship, top there's three of us inside that. Yeah, and um, I mean, which is pretty cool, you know. Damien, my younger brother. Um, I mean, it was a, it's a pretty cool. We we drove each other pretty hard, and oh, for sure, we had fun doing it. And you know, it's all to our parents. It was it was good times. You, so you win the world title in '96. You make a killing off Wolf Sport gear, just a killing. Probably a, <laughs> did you did you actually have a bonus in your contract for a world title and all that like kind of stuff? Was it actually something that was thought of? And and you you know, you, obviously, you collected on that. Or was it one of those things yeah, where it was like, yeah, yeah. no, I had, okay. a, I had a full contract with KTM. Yeah. Um, so the contract was with KTM, and, and obviously, you know, I didn't go to for money. I wasn't, you know, I, I believed that much that year mm-hmm. that I, I really believed that I could be be in the top three in the world and, be, you know, a very good chance of being world champion. So I drove at ICMA show. I drove all the people I talked to. And some people just looked at me and laughed, like, oh, dude, you, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. You finished ninth last year, and you want to be yeah. like, dude, go and find somebody else because you're dreaming, not even worth sitting here talking about it. So, I mean, CD that I was with at the time and Wolf Sport and Arai, you know, which those three, I mean, just awesome. And yeah. Yeah, I, I had a contract with, with KDM, which, you know, all had bonus. And, you know, I mean, the following year was a different story. Um, you're trying to protect what you had, I, I guess. But yeah. Yeah, that year, yeah, you know, it was all, all, all legit contract, all, all bonus, bonus related. And mm-hmm. um, had some salary as well from Silent Sport. And obviously doing the German championships was another thing that was yeah. important to, to KTM because German market was their biggest market. Right. Um, so, and uh, won that German championship as well. So, I mean, it was um, it was a good year. I had fun. I actually made a, I mean, I made, a, made a little bit of money and it sort of um, helped me set my life up. So, well, our life up, so. Would have been just just phenomenal to win the world title. Yeah, like you said. You know what I mean? That's great. Yeah, I got to be. What a feeling, yeah. right? What a feeling. This guy from yeah. New Zealand beating these, uh, you know, heavy favorites and everything else. Number nine on your bike, like you said. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I just think you know, the first day pulling up in a car at a race in France, and then all of a sudden you're you're getting your gear ripped off in the mirror. You're coming back with just your jocks on, and <laughs> it's going, what the what the heck happened to all your gear? Yeah. People just ripping stuff off. You're from there there to there. Yeah. You know, that was just you want everybody in the sport of motocross or supercross or whatever to experience that. You just wish that everyone could have that feeling of just oh my god, you're on the top of the world. Yeah. But yeah. as you know, the sport goes up and it goes down. Yeah. And uh, it's. It's um it's a downs that we don't want to have, but we, we all have them as a sports person. Yeah, what happened in '97? How did that? What? '97? There's the down. Yeah, um, I know. Yeah, we uh we turned up we turned up at a race here, a local race here, and uh, just happened to clip the back of once again Darren and I racing um, mm-hmm. Woodville Grand Prix. I just happened to clip the back of his rear fender, and as I landed, I wadded myself and knocked myself out cold for ten minutes. Uh, ruptured my kidney, which I found out about a week and a half ten later. Ten minutes? You and, were out cold um, for ten minutes? Yeah, yeah, I was, oh. I was really tired that day. I thought I needed to, <laughs> you know, needed to sort of have a bit of a sleep. I, just, oh. I didn't have a good sleep that night, but yeah. So no, ten minutes of uh, yeah, just I don't know, dreaming away there, thinking yeah, yeah. about 
you know, the next World Championship, I guess. But yeah, yeah, no, that's no fun. <laughs> that's the part of motocross. You just wish you'd, you we had a Bell Flex in those days. Yeah, I mean, and it yeah. might only been two minutes, but right. um, <laughs> yeah, just so yeah, that was it. You know, the the season was just in. You mean just a tough, tough thing. The first race of the year was a Lommel, mm-hmm. which you know, I mean, once again, I was forty nine seconds behind the fastest guy in the first practice. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> not that not that much. No, but, but I mean, yeah, Lommel yeah. was the first race and yeah. struggled, struggled, struggled and just didn't get going and then towards the middle of the year I started coming back and towards the year I started winning Grand Prix and finished third that year. So um yeah, it could have been could have been. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying it would have been, but could have been and you always would have, could have, should have. But right. um I felt good. I felt momentum. A K team was great. Everything around me was still the same. Nothing was changed and I mean Asking anyone that's won a championship, the second one's always the hardest one to win. Yeah, and then yeah. From then, it seems to become easier. But um, yeah, the second one's always the hardest to win. I just didn't need that injury, but that happened. So I just made the best out of that situation and moved forward. And yeah, for that year I finished third, won some Grand Prix at the end, and you know, put down ninety eight is going to be the one. Yeah, and ninety eight. And no, ninety eight was fifth. I rode like a, <laughs> a big girl's blouse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, just, I don't know. Well, I mean, I thought I was cooler than I was. I thought I was cooler than I was, and uh, I mean, I got a got a uh, piercing in my belly button, and I got changed my color my hair, and blue. You ran blue like MC, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, just I don't know. Thought I Um, I was cooler than I was, and I mean, you look back now and you laugh at it, and you go, "Christ, what the heck were you doing back in?" I mean, yeah, you're a motocross racer. Go and do what you do. I think a lot of top guys have been there. Oh, for sure. I've seen, you've seen it over. I've seen it tons of times. Yeah, exactly. You know, Um, it happens, no doubt. Coming to America in 2000, whose idea was that? I was at a Red Bull in Ibiza with Heinz Kittigardner and all the all the uh, KTM riders um, on Red Bull riders, you know, drivers and stuff around mm-hmm. the world. We had this um, Ibiza Red Bull party. It was like a challenge between, you know, Arsene and Giro and um, car rally guys and a whole lot of stuff. And um, Heinz Kittigardner... Um, Said to me, hey, I want to catch up with you um, later on this afternoon. Mr. Pierre is coming in, and we want to we want to got a, got something we want to ask you. And mm-hmm. Mr. Pierre come in, you know, his helicopter. I think at the time I don't remember. Maybe it was yeah, I don't know. Something maybe his time machine or whatever. Time machine or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He's a good man. He's a good man. But um, you know, so he flew in, and um, yeah, we um, he was at the event. Sorry, and uh, yeah, he just said to me, hey, we, we want to go race in America next year. We want to take the new five twenty because ninety nine. Was the year that Peter Johansson and myself were signed up for KTM to re to, to re um, invigorate the the motorcycle industry with this new four stroke. Right. So um, we, you know, Peter and I developed the new 520 together with KTM, and um, you know we we helped to do that, and we had a lot of DNF races, and we won a lot of races as well, not a few races, mm-hmm. and um, had a pretty average year. So that was that was kind of the reason. Hey, let's go to America. Let's show the Americans we can race supercross on a four stroke. And I was like, I'm into it. You know I mean, okay, so you were cool house. with it. Yeah, you were cool with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we negotiated a deal, and it was pretty cool. You know, I knew it wouldn't wouldn't be at the front of the field, but man, if we could, you know, if we could be sort of in that tenth place, tenth, you know, would be would be good. And I felt good. I felt like I had the the youth of me to be able to do supercross still. I, all I had, you know, touch wood was his broken broken ankle from from '94, and yeah, I went to went to the US and. Um, yeah, we just we went to went to Guy Cooper's house that day and mm-hmm. scared the living daylights out of myself. <laughs> you scared the living daylights out of myself. I wonder what the heck I was doing. You were like, "Oh shit, I don't remember this. I don't remember any of this." Um, also, I raced a lot of raced a lot of German supercross. Raced a lot of German supercross. Um, you know, New Zealand we had a supercross series, mm-hmm. and but there ain't nothing like America. You know, there no. is nothing. You can have the biggest, best supercross track in the world and put the guys on it, 
um, wherever it is. And there is nothing like turning up to the A1 race with, you know, 60, 70, 80,000 people there um, in that track. It's just, you know, hey. the adrenaline kills you. How deep are those whoops at A1 in 2000? <laughs> I still feel the broken bone in my hand today. Oh, oh my God. Um, yeah. I was on the team that year, for people who don't know. I was there. I was working for Kelly Smith, yeah. and uh, and you came over. And I'm not going to make any excuses for you, but A, that bike was not too super cross capable uh, per se, frame-wise and <laughs> geometry-wise. Uh, 520 is a hell of a lot of bike for indoors. And B, our team was a bit of a shit show. And I, you probably had no idea coming over. It was the first year KTM was back in America, semi race shop, everything else. But I imagine you got there were some times where you were there, were going, "What did I get myself into?" I just remember turning up to. You know, I remember seeing the photo of the truck. You know, I mean, this is a truck I'm going to have, and it was the ultimate dream from a little big guy from New Zealand going to Europe, winning world championship, and then getting asked to go to America and being a factory rider for a, for a team, you know, man, that's a dream that you, didn't, you, know, yeah. you couldn't ever, dream, you know, ever come to reality. And it's come to reality. Wow. Yeah. I remember seeing the photo and all the, you know, the layout. Wow, this is going to be cool. And this is the, the person who's going to run the team. And this is what we're going to do, 125s. And Steve Mathis is on there. I was just like, man, I've got to be on that team if he's on there because <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jim exactly. needs someone to eat some donuts with. Right. But we'll talk another, talk another story a little bit later. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so just the ultimate, you know, the ultimate thing, and I get to that, get there and cool guy keeper's house was great we turned up with a 570cc engine that worked on the grand prix track like it was just a machine like i'm gonna pull every hole shot and whew, okay we'll get down to 520 for anaheim one and yeah walking in there was great on the outside but on the inside we didn't have all the fundamental pieces put together and yeah i don't really think that team got put together until really roger da costa got there and yeah. and done it you know we had a big truck that looked great on the outside but man i don't remember having a cupboard inside that truck yeah let alone a fan yeah, it was uh, um, it was rough. I felt I felt bad. I mean, there were times. I mean, I you know I never re- I worked for FMF Honda, and I wasn't a factory Yamaha yet. So this was my first kind of experience with the team. And I I mean, even at times I'm going, man, we got Shane King, a world champion here, and it's just like we're kind of just clueless. We're we don't have these parts. We don't have a test track. We don't have you know. It's just kind of you know nobody nobody to really help. But yeah. it was really your mechanic Jimmy that was just busting his balls trying to work on the bike, trying to get it set up. And I don't know how much help Austria was given given you, but it didn't seem like much. Yeah, they didn't they didn't really understand it. I guess you know it wasn't they weren't wouldn't support us. It was just they didn't understand what we needed. And you know we kind of worked out pretty quickly, as you know, um, that the 470 engine was about what we really needed to be to mm-hmm. to compete with 252 strokes. I know I could have hopped on a 252 stroke in that time. And gone out there and been a top ten, I mean, a tenth place rider yeah. in that Supercross series. Um, you know, I had I had the fitness, I had the you know, had had the understanding of what to do. I knew knew Supercross, and um, you know, definitely not a, a fronting guy, but definitely around a tenth yeah. place guy. So yeah. I had all that. But to turn up there with a five twenty, and I mean, for them to say, hey, look, we, this is what we're running because we will need to have that bike as a production bike yeah. next year as a five twenty in America. So we want people to understand you've ridden on there and. As soon as we put a 470 in, when Jimbo did an all-nighter and then no one knew about it, and we went out there and all of a sudden, whoa, hey, he's finished 11th. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Man, he's qualified through from a heat race. Wow, what's happened? Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm not sure. You know, and try and explain that to the guys at KTM that we've just, you know, detuned this engine to make it go faster. You know, I mean, they, they kind of didn't really, I don't know, I suppose, understand it. But once yeah. we've done it and proved to them, without them knowing, they kind of, made they slapped me on the wrist pretty hard. Um, but... I mean, they sort of. Oh, they didn't. Oh, okay. They didn't know so, yeah. you. Were, they didn't know you were doing that. I didn't know that. 
no, no. Well, Tom at the time, you know, he's just like, oh, what are you doing, Jimmy? Oh, I'm just playing around with something, you know, that didn't really understand you yeah. know, what he was doing because Tom, as you know, was the overseer there a little bit. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, once we, you know, Jim just built it and we went and tried it at, uh, at our test track, um, <laughs> you mean, that we had, um, which was, you know, consisted of seven whoops and you know, a couple of doubles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, we got to that first race and uh, I can't remember what it was. I think it was, yeah, anyway, somewhere in the middle there. And, yeah. Um, Middle of that big country, of yours, and uh, yeah, no, I was, I, was, uh, I finished eleventh, and then um, the next weekend, confident as, and I remember the first practice, the carburetor boot blew off. That's when we had carburetors back in the day, days. Yeah, yeah. The carburetor blew off on those. I took off on the triple, and um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember that. I was doing, I was only doing one coast, so I don't remember <laughs> that. But uh, we had that problem at Yamaha, yeah. though. Don't worry, we also had that problem at Yamaha. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. At the end of the at the end of the day, though, Kinger, it's cool to say that you did it. You know, like McGrath, Carmichael, you know, all these dudes. And you, you raced them and you made the mains and you put in a good showing. It's cool to say that you have that on your resume. Yeah. No, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything for I mean, wouldn't change anything. I had a great career. I enjoyed myself. I met a lot of people. I got a lot of part you know, part of this this fantastic family that we live in. And you know, I mean, it's just it's cool. I'd love to be able to start on a four seventy, um, with a little bit different frame and mm-hmm. a little bit different, you know. Combo and just 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 to go and have a have Anaheim one again, just maybe, just that'd be my kind of dream one day when I wake up and yeah. I'm in Disneyland or Fantasy Island or wherever I am, and um, I mean just to do that one race and yeah. be able to rail those whoops um, without having to back off halfway through them because I was going to shoot off the broom at the end of them. <laughs> I know, God, going too fast. I, I but, honest, uh, honestly, honestly, awesome. it seemed like you and Jimmy must have went through eight thousand different sets of offsets and races. <laughs> Just, yeah, I, it was I think ins- we went from one. I think we were the only ones that went from one to forty-four thousand three hundred sixty-two offset. I, think I, it was, I know. You know it was more triple clamps in that place than just trying yeah, anything, throwing yeah. everything at the wall, right? Yeah. Trying to make it stick. Yeah. Um, outdoors went yeah, okay uh, though. Outdoors didn't go bad. Some hole shots for sure. Yeah, hole shots were good. Um, you know, I mean, there again, just just not experienced. You know, you need a couple of years in the outdoors to go to the first year. Yeah. You, know, you look at all the all the riders that have been from overseas to race America. Yeah. You know, week in, sorry, year in, year out, you're the same tracks. And I mean, going there the first day and, um, you know, the first time ever and riding around the track, it takes you, I mean, you guys have a lot shorter practices than Grand Prix. That's what a big, you know, yeah. hours. I hear that a lot. Yeah. An hour session for qualifying. Yeah. So, I mean, to go there and you've got a 15-minute practice or something or 30-minute practice and then, bang, you go straight into racing. You know, by the time I got to the second moto, I was still trying to figure out, do I hit that jump fourth or do I back down to third and over river? You know I mean? Yeah. That was kind of my problem to, to do that. And the heat, man, the heat just killed me. I just, you mean, this guy from New Zealand that, I mean, yeah. crikey, it's like 15 degrees and yeah. freezing cold every day. No, it's not like that. But yeah. Just right. the heat was the thing that shocked me. Wow. Should have saw, saw when DeRuver came over on the Honda, on the factory Honda, <laughs> and he was on the podium. And yeah. He's like, it's so hot. My lungs are burning. It's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember at Millville, the, the, the weak monster, I'm not sure if he still goes to Millville. No, he doesn't. Still, no, he doesn't. He um he turned up and he's in this surge and you know just I stood at this those rollers there when Carmichael was tripling through these things and I stood there and and uh, trying to figure out okay how's he jumping from there to there in one step I, I mean this guy comes up to me and goes hey are you Shane King I was like yeah I was like whoa how are you standing there in that he goes oh, it's not that hot you know, I mean today today's cool you know, I mean it's kind of cool and I'm sweating running down the you know, running down my face like I've just been hosed off with a hose yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Um, Incredible. But, and then again, you are at Ray Southwick and Unadilla and Glen Helen. Like, you can say you've done these planes. You know what I mean? It's kind of cool. It's just a, a neat thing yeah. that, to do. Um, you know, but I, yeah. felt, I, felt, I felt bad for you guys at times because I think 
the team, you know, I mean, uh, you know, you're world, world champion, you're a world's uh, known rider, and sometimes, man, we were just trying to get survive. We were just trying to survive as a team, you know, parts-wise, bike-wise, testing, all that kind of stuff. Like, there wasn't, like, it was, like, basically, like, hey, try this shock. You don't like it? Okay, try this one. All right, testing's over. And we're like, but that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like that's all we got. Yeah. Lack of lack of fun, you know, lack of funding, lack of you mean mm-hmm. lack of knowledge. Um, you mean just experience. You mean today. You mean having what they have today. KTM in the world right now is just oh, you know, the just killing the, it. The, the team. So to have, I mean, you've got to start somewhere. I mean, you've got to start somewhere. I started somewhere that year. One twenty five. We, you mean, you guys did amazing. I mean, did amazing for the for the brand, the KTM brand. And um, you know, I remember sitting on the start line with Ricky Carmichael at Southwick sitting beside him and I'm just thinking, dude, you are just going to get whole shotted right here. No problem at all. <laughs> yeah. thousand bucks, I think it was every whole shot. Yeah. And then I remember reading an article after, you know, after that race, you know, oh, the only trouble I had the whole weekend was Shane King on his 800cc KTM that he had. <laughs> but I led Ricky Carmichael for a lap and a half. Yeah, you did. I remember. Yeah. It, was, it was a high point for us, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was just, it's cool. It was, it was great. America was, was, even though it was a, um, not a fantastic time in my life with racing. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I meet some fantastic people um, there again. I race some amazing tracks. You know, I mean, tick the box that I mean did a lot of things. And and uh, oh, you had that nice you know, condo cool. right in Fashion Valley in San Diego. Nice little place. Yeah, mate. We just lived in the lived in the Ritz, and I mean, it was just awesome. Just you know, amazing. And I remember thinking, like, hung out with Sal. Hung out with Sal. I'll say this. I know you're too nice to say this. He was terrible. He was a terrible manager. I think he was very good at balancing the books, or he was very good at something, but not running race teams. There, I've said it. Um, it, wasn't his, it wasn't his job. I mean, it was his job at the time, but yeah. that's not what he was good at. Right. And um, you know, I, mean, I think he knew that. And you know, I mean, Sal's a—he's a very, very good man. He was really, really nice to me today. Still the same, and um, probably the same to you. you know I mean, and end of the day, we started something that we probably weren't ready for. And yeah, we probably yeah. should have put a bit more thought into it all together as a as a group, but. Man, when you're at that pace and you man just come off this world championship hype, and you know all of a sudden we've got this new bike, and America is the place that people want to be and grow and yeah. be be the best in. Um, I mean, you can't you can't say anything bad about anybody. We gave it a chance, we gave it a shot, and well, I mean, Rod Bush, remember going over there, and the first thing he said to me on the East Coast when I went into Ohio to the to the office here, he uh-huh. said, "Shane, how come you can't win?" Why can't you win? <laughs> You've got 520 CCs. You should be able to win these things. You're like, oh, man, uh, it's not about power. Yeah. I uh jump on this thing and go for a ride. It's uh well look, I think the ultimate judge is that 5 years later KTM was done in America. They farmed it out to the MDK. You know what I mean? Like they just yeah. they pulled out. Yeah. They just we, Brooks and their Brooks came in, Heben came in, Brooks came in, things kind of changed. They they got some race results, but in the end they pulled decided to pull out again, you know. Um yeah. I remember thinking too like many times watching your motos, you would get a good start and then I think the pace of American Nationals, or it's like you said too, the tracks, and you weren't exactly maybe sure whether you were where you were going, but like if the things were forty minutes, you would have you would have picked some dudes off. Like the pace early on in the moto, I think caught you by surprise. But maybe like you said, that's something to do with the tracks, right? Yeah, no, it, it was the pace. You know, you get driven. We we did. 40 plus two laps, you know, 40 plus two in the sand is about 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do 50 minutes, it means you're pushing the bike back because you're running out of gas. Yeah. You know, America was 30 minutes. And, you know, I mean, we used to, I used to go really hard first five laps in Europe, get a good, you know, good 
laps home or pace. Mm-hmm. You kind of don't back off, but you just find a, a pace that just feels comfortable, and then you just fight the challenge towards the end. You know, someone's coming back at you, you, you know, you push forward to the guy in front of you. You know, you sort of had to conserve a little bit of energy. There's no way you could go 100% every lap. But America, man, oh, you know, take my hat off to all those guys. They yeah. go 100% from the gate drop to that chicken flag. And it's different, as you see now in, the, in racing. I mean, you go to Europe, and America is just amazing riders. And you go to Europe, and the nations, I mean, things change. Sure, it's a different race, but mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's just so hard to, to just change in a, in a switch, in a light switch. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's different. Europe's different to America. God, I don't care what anyone says. It's different racing. It's different mentality. It's different. Um, you know, you've got to set your bike up different. You can't go with a European bike to America. You can't go with America to European. You mean with Lommel. Yeah. I mean, you saw the, saw, the, saw the Americans there racing in Lommel. You know, I mean, their bikes were probably pretty good, but they could have been a lot better to, you know, which would help them. So I think that's, um, I think right now, talking about the four losses in a row by America, I think some of it has to do with the fact that America, and you're a fan, Kinger, I know you watch these things a lot and you follow it. The tracks in America, and even more, they were probably like that when you were there too, but. They're all the same. Wood chips, water the same. They develop the same. You run the same. You never run it. You run the same tire all twelve rounds. Um, you, we, and I think USA goes to Europe. And you just said about the USA bike setup, it's different. I think the American riders are like, oh, different surface. Ah, it's slippery. Some rocks showing. Like they don't know what to do. You know? Yeah, yeah. It, it is. It's. I mean, it's a hard for that one-off race, and you're hyped up in a different way, and you have got your comfort zone, you know, your own truck and your own camper, and your. I mean, it's, it's always different, those overseas races. But, um, mate, next year, you mean, Glen Helen, we're going to see the real, we're going to see a battle royal. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just going to be amazing. It's yeah. going to be a race that's just going to be the coldest thing on this planet for motorcycling. Wow. And, um, no, next year's Majoria. Then yeah. it's, it's Glen Helen. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, the year after. year after yeah. in, in, um, in Glen Helen. So, yeah, Majoria. So, I mean, that's a cool track for Americans. You mean, do you guys, it's, it should should suit you guys. So I'm Canadian. It's going to be good. I'm Canadian, Kinger. Yeah, so the Canadian team, how, how are they going to go? Next <laughs> I don't year want to talk year? about it. Listen, New Zealand's <laughs> not exactly a world power right now, not like it used to be with you guys. So let's just take it easy on uh, that. Bring okay. back BT. Bring back BT. Hey, I don't. BT's uh, Stefan Everett's Suzuki deal is either going to work out really well or a complete disaster. Are you, do, you, do you agree? I just. I just. You know, I want Ben to be successful. He's had such a tough yeah. five, six years. And for me, um, I mean, a lot of people have asked a lot of questions. And, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm diplomatic with everything. But at the end of the day, for me personally, I want to see BT go to that first race and be a top three contender until, I mean, five and six, till we get back to Europe and... <laughs> I wanted to put a six. I wanted to put six races together. That's going to be mm-hmm. amazing and make him feel like he's he can achieve what he wants to achieve. Because you know, just it's that game in your head as a, as a motocross rider. You always think you can come back. You always think you can win the next race. You always think mm-hmm. you're better than somebody else. It's that game that you play in your head that he hasn't finished it. You know, you haven't finished the game. I finished my game in my head. I'm done. Yeah. I mean, I knew when yeah. I needed to stop and walk away. But I mean, when you don't finish that game from injury or whatever happens. There's a game in your head going, oh, I could still do that, you know. So for me, I hope Ben does mm-hmm. um, succeed. And I think Stefan is a, is a person that works very well with Ben. You know, mm-hmm. when they race together, they I think they're going to work great. You know, Ben likes the Suzuki. I mean, he's here on the bike now. He's he's loving it. And um, you know, he's a Kiwi. We need a Kiwi at the front of some Grand Prix because yeah. 
I mean, look at the Motocross Nations. He rode a bike that he'd ridden for oh, know, yeah. 30 minutes in a field. Yeah. And he went there and did what he did. I mean, like, does that mean the caliber's not great or BT's just still got it? So yeah. I think he's still got it. I really, I mean, I've got my fingers crossed. I believe in the kid. I mean, he's a, he's a great kid and he's got his family with him. Um, I mean, people are going to say the opposite, but for me, that's what I, you know, I, yeah. I really, I really hope and I, I wish and I believe so. I think he'll be top three yeah. and win races, or he's going to get hurt again. I hate to say that. That's just, I just, that's my opinion on the outside. Yeah. You know, I just think it's going to go. Yeah, you've covered all the bases, mate. You've just covered all the. I bases. just don't think so he rides a whole season and get. I don't think he rides a whole season and gets seventh or eighth. You know what I mean? I just don't think. I don't see that yeah. happening. So he's either yeah. a contender and rides the whole races and does great, or doesn't go well. So we'll see. It definitely yeah. well, makes I it interesting. Him, I him he does. What's that? I'd love to see him have a finish his, finish his career. Yeah. And, um, you yeah. Know, like everyone, you want to see their finish career on a, on some sort of note, whether it be at the top or in the middle, but yeah. you know, finish it somewhere that, that they're comfortable with going, cool, I had a great year, great season in the sport of motocross. And, um, hey, you know, hot rumor, I don't know, but hot rumor, I think Josh Coppins is coming back. I see he's racing in this big race in the South Island today and tomorrow. So oh, shit. Could be that there we go. Could, could, could get into Rinaldi. No, I'm just <laughs> I know, I know. Mate, throw it out, throw it out there. Uh, you, know, ben, you know, Ben Townley, Josh Coppins, Shane King, you know, not riding lately. There could be this whole, Kiwi thing coming back, so Majora, you know, if you that, like that track, same with Josh, same with Ben. So the, uh, look out, USA! Look out, USA! Could the, be New Zealand. The lizard, the, guys. the lizard told me they asked him if he wanted to ride this Nations this year. So, <laughs> no, uh, what was your best wow. finish there at this Nations? Well, how'd you how'd you do? Uh, we finished. I finished third two times. Okay, on the podium. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. so Belgium once and then uh, in England at Fox Hills and the nice uh, oh in the real, mud really dry oh, that day in shit. yeah wow oh yeah passed a lot of top guys in the mud there it was good they were only stuck on the side of the hill but yeah yeah it was um yeah we li- we love the mud we, hey Kiwis, we live in you know as I'm talking to you now it's raining so I've never seen a video from that race I've I've no idea how muddy it was I saw photos never saw video I've never seen a video I need to look that on YouTube is it on YouTube. I need to look it up. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, do you have YouTube over there? Have you got YouTube yeah, we have YouTube. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, oh, yeah, cool. we have yeah, just, just checking. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, that was a muddy race. Really, really muddy race. But once again, we sat in the truck with smiles in our faces, and you look through the windows of the other campers, and yeah. I mean, there's some Italians in there crying, and there's some. I mean, a lot of people are crying that day. But uh, as you know, that that race is yeah, just opportunity. Who's a, motocross the nation? Who's on the team with you that year? Uh, it was uh, Josh and De- and Daryl. And Daryl. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I didn't know yeah. if Daryl had been hurt or how that went. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, thanks for doing this, man. Appreciate it, Shane. You've always been on a guy on my list I've wanted to, to talk about. Uh, you've had a great career, world champion, racing America. Um, like you said, he did it for a long time and uh, phenomenal results all over the world. So it's, it's, it's really cool. And coming from a country that, you know, don't get me started about how bitter I am towards Canada because we can't seem to produce even one single world-class rider. And uh, New Zealand's got about five. So I'm pretty pissed about that, yeah. but um, you know, yeah, you be. I'll live. Um, so thank you for doing the BTOsports.com Race Rex podcast. I'm sure I will see you down the line somewhere. I always seem to, but um, thanks for taking the time for us tonight. No, thanks, Steve. It was good, mate. It's good to, I mean, just just remind yourself. And um, I mean, you're a great you're a great person, and you've I mean, you've been a part of my career when I was in America, and then probably since then as well. You know, we will get a good 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 friendship going, and um, like I said. Come to New Zealand, mate, and we'll show you the real world. Uh, that'd be great. Here. I learned a lot of swear words from Jimmy, too, your mechanic, when, when I worked for him. So that was, that was great. That's fantastic. <laughs> Jimmy still asks about you all the time, actually. He's always, I think he's still got that picture of you in his in his little book that he carries around. Oh, shit. I don't, sure. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to know. I don't even want to know. Did you go to, um, were you there when we got arrested? Or, I don't even know. Was that No, that was 01. We got arrested at the KTM dealer meetings. Never mind. That was 01. 
Um, yeah. But <laughs> we went, another story. No, yeah, I, it's another story for another time. But uh, Shane King, thanks, man. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, uh, listeners. Thank you. This has been the BTOSports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. I was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The beast from the east, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. And, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts. The days and the months and the years go.